Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tell Em Sus. This is about real people, real conversation, and raw truth. I am your host, Mikey Collier. I am a mind motivator. I'm your extra shot of espresso in your coffee, in your latte, in your macchiato. What do I do? People, and you can find me on all the different genres, but my new venture, which I absolutely love, is being a podcast host. I get to meet some of the most amazing people, and I get to bring them here to the Tell Em Sus podcast show. I get a chance to introduce them to you. Well, you're going to be really blessed on today because you all know we started a series, What's Cooking, What's Cooking, What's Cooking, What's Cooking? And we have our very, I like to just call him Kenny, and I met him, see, Y'all got to learn how to meet strangers like I do because you never, ever know the most amazing people that you're going to run into. And so let me tell you just a little bit about Kenny because he is absolutely amazing. So um, Kenny is a graduate from Texas A&M. So not only is he just amazing, he is educated. He has his bachelor's of arts um, in philosophy. Um, he wrote an undergraduate research thesis on determinism and ethics. Oh, that's good right there. Landing him the title of undergraduate research scholar. He began um, learning music at the age of 10, specializing in brass instruments. I love a good worshiper that understands music. No wonder he, I just kind of connected with him, right? <laughs> and being um, instructed by uh, likes and, and uh likes of mobile, um, of notable artists um, such as Ron Wilkins. And at 20, he purchased his first guitar. I think that's really good. And some of you may say, oh, what does this have to do? You know, I like to know where people come from because I told you we have real people that um, are having real conversations and we're dealing with raw truths. But not only that, Kenny has traveled all over the world. And I can't wait for him to talk about that a little bit more. And I'm not going to get into that too much because I believe it's one of the inspirations that led him to being a Somalia and I'm gonna have him to make sure I'm pronouncing that right because y'all know I will mess up a word right and so um listen he is a creative he is um he's an innovator he is um young inspiring and just just ready for the world, but I just want to know, is the world ready for him? I mean, when I tell you his persona, I had the chance to meet him in person, his uh, passion for what he does, his love for people, it just showed through. And so I can't wait for him to talk a little more about himself, what it is that he does and what he brings to the space of this world. Kenny, can you please go ahead and talk to the people? People. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I just want to first off say I appreciate you, Mike, for coming on. When you talked to me the other day, I just I knew that you had this like really good energy and I can see it right now. I mean, just from the introduction and this conversation that we had before, there's just it brings I feel like there are certain people I talk to that just bring out, you know, the best of me. And I feel like you're definitely one of those people. So I appreciate you for having uh, having me on for this. I mean, okay. It's really uh, it's really an experience. Yes. Well, I'm just, I'm blessed to know you. So before we go deep, come on and pronounce that word. Cause I know I'm not saying it. Gotcha. Right. <laughs> no, no, you, you actually did a very good, much better than me when I tried to say it for the first time. So it's actually pronounced Somalier, but you Somalier. can say, I've heard people, Somalier, okay. but I've heard people pronounce it Somalier. So okay. either one is perfectly fine. 
Okay. Well, I want to jump right into there because somebody's listening saying, is are they saying sumo wulu? What what are the heck? Are they? <laughs> what what are they saying? So can you can you just give a brief definition of what a sommelier actually is? Yeah, so a sommelier is basically a person that handles wine, handles the curation of wine and uh, how to consume wine. Uh, a sommelier is really somebody that specializes in uh, the history of wine and just different wine pairings with different foods. It can be desserts, breakfast, dinner, uh, lunches. It, it, it spans us pretty far, pretty far in the definition. Wow, I love that. It's funny because I was reading an article um, about the queen. Um, I, 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 read, I love reading like different things. And um, it was just saying what she eats in the course of a day and what glasses of wine that she takes and different things like that. And so, right, right. Um, you know, now I'm going to tell you, this is not a normal space. Young African-American male, and you are in this field. Can you please Tell us what inspired you, what pulled you into this arena? Well, I, I mean, it's, there's a lot of different things that pull me into it. I mean, being a young African-American male, it, it's not very often you see people like myself in this field. I mean, even a lot of my colleagues, they're typically older, typically white, typically come from a very affluent background. I mean, one of my vendors that I was talking to, or one of my salesmen, excuse me, uh, that I was talking to the other day, he was talking about, you know, how his grandfather had a vineyard and like now they live in Texas and they deal with wines. And, you know, he was watching a wine documentary in his home theater. And this is just really far from my reality. You know, my, my, one of my parents, uh, she comes from Central America. It's my mother. She comes from Panama and my dad comes from Alabama. You know, they, they didn't come from a lot of money. Nobody knew anything about wine or really arts in general. It was always about working hard and just trying to make ends meet, taking care of the family. So getting into this field, not having that like history of like, I make wine in my family was kind of hard to deal with because a lot of people would see me and just be like, well, young black guy probably is just doing it for money, probably doesn't really care about what's happening in the field or what the news is. But I think that couldn't be further from the truth. I really do take time trying to learn the uh, learn the art and the craft. And so that way I can give people their best and most favorite bottles of wine. And I just really enjoy learning. That, that's the thing about me. Uh, graduating with a bachelor's of art in philosophy has taught me a lot about learning. And it's the act of learning keeps you young, I think is really what the saying is. And not saying that I'm old or anything, but it, it just, it reinvigorates yes. the mind. It, it always has your brain doing something productive. Um, and I think that's just the most important thing anybody can really do is always trying to find something to learn. So I love that. Always learning. It's so funny that you said that because um, I remember being in Europe, uh, my husband, uh, military, we traveled all over. We were actually in Schweinfurt, Germany. And then we went to Mannheim and we got a chance to go to Italy. We got a chance to go to Paris. We got a chance to go to Poland, Czechoslovakia, like all of these different wow. places. Like while I was there, I was like, I want to go to these places. So in my mind, I was like, how are you, you know, we get to come over here. Yes, my husband's serving, but we literally can take a trip for a hundred dollars to another area that some people will only 
read about, got to see the Venus de Milo and all of these different things. Got to go to the Tatin J um, um, place and go all the way down. And so like, it was all interesting to me, but what, what made me want to know about it then is the etiquette. I was being invited to spaces and places that I did I wasn't educated on. And I'm like you and my mom always says, you know, not knowing is not an excuse. So you, you have to educate and you have to find out things for yourself. And I didn't want to say I went all the way to Europe and I just sat in my military base housing and right. never traveled, you know, or seen anything, never learned anything. I didn't want just American friends. I wanted Italian friends. I wanted German friends. I wanted to know what they do, how they live their culture. If I'm going to be, I think it's respectful to do that too. Right, right. I mean, Anytime you go to somebody else's house, it's always nice to start a conversation with the host, you know, try to be interested. You don't want to just go to a country and just sit back and be like, okay, serve me. Yes, yes, that is so good. And so I want to ask you a little bit about history, because I like the fact that uh, one of the things about this, um, about our podcast, the Tell Them Sus Show, not only is it real people, real conversations and raw truths, but we love to give tactics, tips and tools that will be able to help you out in everything in life. Could you tell us a little bit about the history of of, of winemaking or the a little bit of any type of history that you want to share? But I know winemaking is can go all the way back so what it, it, it goes you, yeah it, I mean, it, it goes really far back I, so some of the estimates for the first winemakers and the first sommeliers it's anywhere between 6,000 to 4,000 BC um, and a lot of this took place in western Asia uh, places like Georgia and the Caucasus Mountains um, archaeologists when they were working over there they discovered like these clay pots and what was being used for these clay pots was they were holding wine they were kind of like receptacles for wine and so when they study the inside of it, they could find the grape residue. That's how they knew it was used for wine. So our ancestors a long time ago, they were they were drinking just like we were today is no difference. The only difference really is between the grapes that were used then versus now. I mean, nowadays, wine grapes have been curated in a way to where they're much smaller than table grapes. I mean, if you take a wine grape and a regular table grape, you'll see that the wine grape is much more meatier. It has a lot more seeds, a lot higher sugar and acidic content versus a table grape. I mean, you eat a table grape and it's very enjoyable, uh, thin skin, very sweet, uh, very easy to digest, not a lot of seeds. Um, way back in the day when they were making wine, I mean, it was just with wild, uh, wild grapes that were grown wherever. They would have them on their farms, and they would use them to make, you know, wine because the fermentation process is basically the same. They didn't have all these different varietals like Cabernet Sauvignon, Pinot Noir, or Sauvignon Blanc, all stuff like that. But they were still drinking. And that's really where the art kind of took its place in Western Asia. And so to, to, to kind of fast forward to today's date, uh, and this is something that I actually didn't know until quite recently, is that one of the first... Uh, one of the first vineyards in, Vir I believe it was Virginia, if I'm not mistaken, either North Carolina or Virginia, was actually a Black-owned vineyard um, by the man, by a band named uh, John June Lewis Sr. Mm. And uh, he he owned that vineyard from, I believe it was the 1880s to like 1920 or something like that is when it was operating. And it was one of the only vineyards at its time that actually used the same grapes that it grew um, a lot of vineyards in the area at the time would import grapes from other areas, make all these uh, sort of like red blends, or they would take pinots from California because, believe it or not, California is actually 
one of the places that has the best quality of wines. It, it's it's right up there with France. And so a lot of these places would take grapes from other regions. But uh, what Mr. Lewis did is that he took his own grapes and made them at his own little shack, which still stands today. Um, wow. You could go over there and visit now. And uh, I, I just think stuff like that is really nice to know because again, when people hear about winemaking and they hear winemakers, they think, oh, it's old white guy. Oh, it's a French guy. Oh, it's this. But it it could be somebody that looks like me. You know, it could be somebody right. that looks like you. It could be yeah. somebody that, you know, looks like anybody. There's no look to a winemaker. It's just somebody who's passionate about what they do. And that's really it. Wow. Thank, thank you for saying that and just clearing that up. Because one of the questions I was going to ask you is, are there any African-American uh, vineyards? But I wanted to say this because we were talking about history and you know, not only do I, I, you're probably like me, not only do I like reading and learning about other people, places and spaces, I also found out that I like learning about myself and my lineage, my, my history, uh, come to find out my grandmother used to make wine. She, um, made what they called a dandelion wine, I guess. Um, she, it was, I told my mom, I remember it was my dad's mom and she had these big barrels on the backyard and they were like, that was wine. She was making wine. And I was like, I was like, that's crazy because, and I'm just saying that and somebody be like, I know somebody listening is like, oh, oh my gosh, she's endorsing why I'm not, I'm endorsing, <laughs> you know, I'm endorsing learning. I'm endorsing culture. I'm endorsing the love of food. I'm endorsing that there are cultures and spaces and places where we understand that food and wine go together. We cook with it. Yes. Some sip with it. I mean, like there's just so many different things, but what I'm saying is I, I, I look back now and realize that it's so many things in my bloodline that I have a, a, a interest in or I want to know about. And I'm like, where did that come from? Like sometimes your history or your, your insight to learn something is not necessarily outside of who you are. It's right in, inside of there. My dad was never, um, or my, my biological dad was never around, but I've always been an entrepreneur. When he passed away and I went to his funeral, I found out he was an entrepreneur. Like he had a limousine service. He had an apartment uh, complex that he did. You know, not, not only that, some of the guys that he hung out with because he was a street man, they were like, we couldn't wait till your dad got here because when he showed up on the corner, we was going to all learn something. He was a motivational speaker. He just like me, he may not have done it on a stage, but the street was his stage. And so the passion sometime or the taste for certain things that we don't even realize that we have, we have, um, we have 30 fruit trees in our yard. 30 yes. fruit trees. Yes, 30 fruit trees from pear. Pear was our first, but from pear to apple to plum. And my husband, um, he does preserves now and different stuff. And people are like, where did you Whoa. get that from? And he was like, you know, just traveling all over the world, but come to find out, even his mom was like, I didn't do that. Where did you get that from? And found out that his, his grandmother loved it. So his dad's brother was like, I know where he got that from. He said, this runs in our, so sometimes what you're educating yourself on in other countries and different places, which I love doing, sometimes our education too is right in our bloodline. Mm -hmm. I like that point. I like that point a lot. And, uh, you know, just a quick question. I'm very curious when you, so you mentioned your, you said it was your grandma that had the wine barrels in your mm -hmm. backyard. When you saw those, what did you, what did you think they were? I didn't or like even, what, what, what you didn't, like, I didn't even know when I was a little girl, 
I didn't even process what it was. I just knew going in the kitchen with her because out of all the kids, they were the ones that said I looked just like her, which was my dad's mom. And I just was intrigued that she was in there cooking. There was stuff on the back porch and I wasn't sure what it was. I didn't have a clue. I think it maybe it was holding flour, you know, mm. or sugar or something. I just seen big barrels and right. I, I had no idea. And, and it's so funny because I'm like, um, I kept asking, did anybody get the recipe? And so I re- like nobody recipe for the wine. Yeah. Or, okay. The recipe for the wine. Like if she's been doing this or making this for years, like, did anybody get the recipe? Was anybody right. interested? Did anybody want to know? Because like my, um, and it's funny because I, I'm, this is all coming out. Like I said, we have real conversation. My dad's brother just contacted me two weeks ago and he said, because I wasn't very close to the family. He said, I want to talk with you because there's not very many of us left. And I want to tell you about some family history. So I'm praying he has the recipe. Yeah. I mean, and, and stuff like that is just like, that. that's important. I always value stuff like that. Whenever my mom cooks something, she always teaches my sister how to make it. But I'm like, hey, please write that down. Save it for me too. You know, I want to be able to have fail safes. I want all of us to be able to have this. So that way we can give it to our kids and stuff. Like, I mean, your grandma's a sommelier. So it's like, she probably had her own techniques and her own wisdom that came with the, the winemaking process, you know? And right. so I, I think, I think that's very interesting. I hope, I hope they do find that recipe. That's yes. Very, that's I mean, like I said, I didn't even think about it. It's funny. My kids tell me the same thing. Mom, write a cookbook. Mom, write these recipes down. You should. We you need should. to have them. And I was like, and I've been saying, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've been saying I'm going to do it, but I haven't. Cause they're like up in my head, you know, but if I die, my head up in there is going to go with me. So I realize that it is important for us to have that. So I'm really loving this conversation um, that we're doing. So how does one become a sommelier? Okay, so the, the, <laughs> in, my, in my opinion, I think the, and this is strictly my opinion. I know there are a lot of people out there with their own professional opinion, they'll disagree. But it, it, it's it's like being an artist, a musician, or a scientist, a physicist, a mathematician. It's like any of these things. If you want to be an ist in a field, you just have to be in the field. If you want to be an artist, you have to draw. If you want to be a music, pick up a guitar and play. If you want to be a mathematician, go do calculus. If you want to be a sommelier, just, just learn about wine. Go drink wine. I think, and I, I I can't speak for everybody, but I'm privileged enough to where I can have access to a grocery store, liquor store, like almost whenever I need unfeathered. And I think if other people are like that, you have a potential to become a sommelier, just like myself. You can go out and drink a Cabernet and like write down about, and I have a book where I do this. I write down about different bottles of wine that I really enjoy. And then you can just, as time goes on, you kind of collect this library of knowledge of just like, okay, I remember last year I had three, these three bottles that I really enjoyed. This year, these three bottles are now my favorite. And then as you go on, you'll start noticing like patterns and nuances. And that's really where the professionalism comes in. Um, now, if you want to became, become a master sommelier, there is a process for that. You do have to go through certain courses, kind of think of it like a university or college. And you have uh, what's called master sommeliers that basically teach these courses to students and you go through levels each year, taking tests, eventually becoming a master sommelier yourself, certified. Um, And I I mean, stuff like that, that's really amazing because then you have people that can actually like really hone in their skills to specialize. And that specialization is very important because if you want to have somebody, let's say that really enjoys cabs, I want to know as much as I can about a Cabernet Sauvignon. 
I mean, somebody who's, who's better to learn from than somebody that studied it in the books with a person that's had knowledge passed down from them from other masterclass sommeliers as well. Right. So I think there's a lot of value in that as well. But the, the biggest thing that I try to tell people is don't gatekeep yourself. Don't, don't say you can't do something just because a person in an office says you can't do something. Go out and try to actually learn for yourself because that's how all these, you know, 6,000 uh, and 6,000 BC when they were mixing wine in these pots, they weren't asking people, am I doing this the right way? They were just right. trying to make a drink that they enjoyed. So you right. just have to really do what you enjoy. Wow. So, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that this is a occupation. There are top um, restaurants and um, like you said, places that sell that hire people that understand the um, the art. Oh, and, and that was one of the questions I was going to ask you, but you've already answered it. And I was just going to say, I think that when people hear wine, we culturally go into drinking like like we have a, a misconception as far as it depends on what what culture you come from. And when I say that is that when I traveled all over the world, the things that I grew up like worried about or hiding or thinking about certain stuff. I, I want to make sure I say this right, because, you know, being a pastor, if you put this out wrong, they'll, they'll all be on my Facebook trying to kill me. Right. But right. what I mean, like, is is culturally it's, it's something culturally different. OK, like, for instance, I think I was telling you earlier, like when Joyce Myers um, went to um, preach over in London, when she got done, they were like, that's a kick ass message. Well, I know that that's a bad word, right? But, and so she was like offended, but in that culture, that's what they did. If you go to Paris, they sell uh, beer in McDonald's. They sell wine in McDonald's. Like it's it's a cultural different thing. Like, and, and I think people don't, don't realize. So that's why I'm saying like, when I went to Europe, I, I was introduced to a different culture. It's not that I was trying to become something that I wasn't. I wanted to know what makes this different. How is it that, you know, they can, they, they go to church, they do this, and then they sit down and have a glass of wine together or different stuff. But I was taught, you know, almost killed, you know, or, or you're going to hell for certain things and different stuff. And so I'm just love the fact that um, you took the time and, and you wanted to find out about something and you get to bring it um, now and introduce it to people. You get to, we get to see people that looks like us that have, um, that, have right. that have, you know, that study that are, that are sending stuff out. And I had read in your bio that you went to Italy and fell in love with it. I want to hear about that. Yeah. So what I, so a little bit of background to this trip. Uh, so I am one of three siblings. Uh, I have an older sister and she, when she was 16 years old, was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is basically a very, very severe cancer of the lymph nodes. Um, it was so bad that at one point she almost actually lost her life. The doctors said that, you know, during this round of chemo, this is probably going to be the biggest round. And if she survives, it's going to be a miracle because we really don't expect many people to get past this round of chemo due to like how severe the cancer was. Um, you know, thank God she ended up, you know, being just fine. And with the help of my little brother, he was able to donate his bone marrow and get her back to full health. And so she's doing fine today. But during that time period, um, many people may be familiar with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And one of my sister's wishes was that she wanted to go to Italy because she's always dreamed. I remember since we were young, she would always talk about going to Italy and just eating all the food there, seeing all the art. So yes. she wanted to go there. <laughs> and, yeah, and it, you know, the family was ecstatic about it. We're like, okay, yeah, I mean, if you want to go, go ahead and go. But they were like, no, that, I mean, the whole family can go too. And so like, okay, we're not going to argue with that. So we all got on a plane, went to Italy and we stayed there for, I believe it was a week and a half. 
and we visited all over the country and it was just gorgeous but you know to the main point one of the most beautiful experiences i think that i've ever had in my life was going to a vineyard in tuscany i don't remember which one it was but i do remember it was in the afternoon during like the golden hour of the day and we were just sitting on benches that overlooked the vineyards mm. and you could just see like rows and rows of just grapes and we had like this delicious food it was like cold cut meats and stuff and cheese and the person was like explaining each note of the wine how to drink it how to look at it um I don't remember what we drank and to be quite frank I hated it I I didn't like any of the wine we were drinking but something that stuck with me like just sticks in my head is when I was 16 because I was 16 at the time and you can drink when you're 16 in these countries so when I was drinking I was just like there's a process to this. Like that sounds really weird, but something as simple as drinking has an art to it, has a process. She was talking about our tour guide. She was talking about like uh, swirling the glass with the wine and watching the legs come down the side. I remember that. She talked about holding up, holding the wine up to the sun and looking at the sedimentation that falls to the bottom, the sea, the quality of the grapes. I remember that. Uh, I remember how she said to take a sip and then another sip and let it rest on your palate. I mean, despite me not enjoying the flavors, I still enjoyed the process of actually going through the wine. And that paired with the scenery, it, something in my head just made a connection. It was like, this is not just drinking. Like I'm overlooking all this and seeing this. This is art. This is something that actually people devote their lives and their lineages to. So ever since I had that experience, it was kind of just like, wow, I... I People can laugh, people can say, oh, it's just a drink, it's just that. And I understand to them it may be, but when you have certain connections in your mind, it, it becomes more than that. The connection oh, is what really makes that. Oh, so, you making my, you, you, you didn't make something go down in my old glory is what I call it now. <laughs> <laughs> you said I didn't, it wasn't about the taste, but it was the process. Man, let me tell you something that has just blessed me right there because I just had told somebody the other day that the journey is just as important as the destination. The destination isn't going anywhere, but the journey mm -hmm. is what makes you. It's the thing that develops you, is the thing where you grow. So, and, and you answered a question for me because I used to say, why am I interested in these food pairings? This is when I was in Europe. Why do I like this stuff? Why am I intrigued with it? But it was the art of it all. So I guess it kind of feeds your creativity um, side that's on the inside of you that's even more like, man, this is very, it's like knowing all the, the seas of a diamond. Like, I wanted to know that. I wanted to know what the cut, the clarity and the care. I, I wanted to know all of those different things. What makes it different? What makes this one cost more? And it, it's just being, like you said, educated on it. So that is amazing right there. You know what? You just reminded me of my <laughs> husband because with, with this part, and this is another field, was golf. He wasn't, he didn't play golf. He didn't grow up with golf, but he went to a golf course. And the landscaping was so beautiful. It was so serene that he fell in love with the course and he learned the game. And this is where, where did he, where did he go to this golf course? I, it was, um, it was actually here in Missouri. I think he went to, um, it, it, it may have been the, the, the first one, we went to one in Florida and he went to one um, here up at Lake of the Ozarks is, is where he went to. Wow. And, and he just, and he fell in love with it. I mean, listen, had never picked up a club before, played it and ended up 
loving the game. But yeah, what, made what I have him, to do. Yeah, but what made him fall in love with it wasn't the game. It was the beauty of the course. I mean, it's funny that this is the point that it kind of resonated. You know, you asked that question. It's just kind of the focal point of this all because the, the older I get, the more I realize it's never about if something is enjoyable or if it's not enjoyable. It's always about like, the, it, it, like you said, the process, just doing it. You just got to do it. You just got to find something that you can stick with, whether you like it or not. If you can stick with it and it's something that you can tolerate, I think that, that, that that's something that's, I think, really mm. hard to find. Wow. Wow. That's good. Okay. So I know we're getting into our um, golden hour to wrap up since you said golden hour. I was thinking about Frankie <laughs> Beverly and May's song. Okay. <laughs> but I wanted to, um, so let's get into this what's cooking part because I know when it deals with food and wine, there are pairing uh, things. And so some people may be listening for, um, for entertainment purposes, for the holidays, they may have a culture where they actually set the table and they, they, they cook a duck, they cook veal, they cook chicken, they cook beef, they cook spicy or something like that. Can you give us a, just like maybe what goes with beef, what goes with chicken, something spicy or grilled, like just give us what is the rule and maybe tell a little bit of why is it that different ones? I, I guess it's because it brings out the taste different in food. Yeah, you're totally right. 100% right on that. So one thing that I typically like to view in wine is, or at least like an image I like to put in people's heads is a kind of scale from one to 10. Now, wine as a drink in general is pretty high on what we call the pH scale. It's, it's, a, it's an acidic wine. It's a, it, excuse me, it is an acidic drink. So uh, most wines will have a pH to a certain extent that uh, will cut through certain like foods, like fat, fatty foods or creamy foods or things like this. But depending within that scale where you go on wine, you can get really acidic wines and then you can get less acidic wines. And so on the less acidic scale of wines, you have things like Cabernet Sauvignons, you have Merlots and Malbecs. These are the kinds of wines that kind of have like a juicy berry flavor to them. They're very dark and rich and the kinds of foods that you want to pair with these are foods that if it's cheeses, you want to pair cheeses that are very sharp, like cheddar, because it mellows out that sharpness is the very honed in flavor of the cheese. It'll get balanced out by something like a Cabernet. If you're having a like something like beef, uh, a red meat, any kind of beef is going to go really well with, again, a darker red wine or wine that tends to be more spicy. So wines like Shiraz's tend to have this almost spiciness to it, a little bit, bit of a peppery taste to it. Um, Pinot Noirs are another really good example. Pinot Noirs are known for being very earthy, very oaky, a little bit spicy and peppery. I mean, these are things that when you think of like hamburgers or steaks or spaghetti or pizza, you want, you want peppery flavors on something like that. You want that oaky and earthy flavor. On the other side of the spectrum, you have things such as like Pinot Grigio, Chardonnays, and Sauvignon Blancs. These are white wines. These white wines typically are very acidic, so much so that they punch through any kind of flavor that they're with. So if you're having a like brie cheese, for example, brie cheese is a very creamy cheese that you spread on crackers. That would go great with something like a Sauvignon Blanc because the acidity, the citrus, the citrusness of that wine cuts through the cheese, but the creaminess of the cheese still retains the characteristic of the food. So that's something that is honestly a really good rule of thumb. If you have a very acidic wine, pair it with very creamy foods. If you have a very less acidic wine, something like a red wine, Pair that with more sharper foods because it's going to balance each other out. Now, if we're talking about spiciness and Cajun food, 
Cajun food goes really well with the wine called uh, a Syrahs. Syrahs are native to France. Um, they also have a very nice peppery flavor to them. It adds the Cajun, uh, the Cajun sauces that are typically found in a lot of Cajun foods. Um, since Cajun food uses a lot of seafood as well, another really good wine pairing would be white wines such as Sauvignon Blanc. Because when we have catfish or when we have crawfish or any kind of seafood, what do we typically do? We typically get a lemon and we squeeze it on top. Mm -hmm. A Sauvignon Blanc has that same kind of lemony citrus flavor, and it's going to complement almost anything with a white sauce or with uh, seafood in it. So if you're having Cajun, really consider getting a good Sauvignon Blanc or a Pinot Grigio. Um, now, I'm missing one major meat here, and that is chicken. A lot of people enjoy chicken and turkey. Um, mm -hmm. Things like chicken and turkey go really well with Chardonnays because Chardonnays have a very nice oaky vanilla taste. And that's going to kind of complement any kind of grilled or roasted flavor that the chicken has, especially if it's in a white sauce. So those are, I mean, I can explain all these different techniques and all these different ways of pair wines, but really at the end of the day, and this is, I'm going to go back to this because this is my biggest thing. Everybody is different. Some yes. people, I've had customers come up to me and they're like, what's the best sweet wine I can have with a gumbo? And I'm like, I would never in a million years drink a sweet wine with gumbo. That is terrible. <laughs> but if that's what they want, I have to do my job. I have to find them the best sweet wine that goes with that gumbo. Because right. if not, they're going to get mad at me. Right. So right. I, I do that. So really experiment with what you like. And if you think sweet wine like Stella Rosa goes with gumbo, and that's you. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. Right. You know, just, uh -oh. just really find what you like. Uh, Kenny, this has been um, uh, amazing just so that, again, to educate. And again, when I met you, I was like, the world needs to know who he is. And if I can be a piece of that, then I want to. Um, I thank you for your craft, for your passion, for stepping into a space um, where I know it's often challenging. And um, I know you work at a major um, grocery store and at um, different places. Do Are you challenged a lot of times when people come in looking for stuff and they see this young African-American guy when they say, hey, we need to talk to a specialist um, on the winery and you come around the corner? What what is what is that like? Oh, yes, that happens very, very frequently, 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 frequently. Um, you know, the, just the other day I had a woman, this is like actually about a month ago, I had a woman come in and she was asking me about wine. She, I mean, apparently she didn't know a lot about wines because she was asking me uh, like, oh, are Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris the same thing? I mean, these, if, if you're drinking, and if you don't know the difference, that's fine. But the way she was coming towards me, she wanted me to, it almost seemed like educate her. So I was trying my best to tell her about, okay, this is best with that. This is best with that. Long story short, we get to the end of this whole conversation and she comes to the conclusion, this is an older white woman. She comes to the conclusion. She's like, well, there used to be a wine guy that, that worked here. His name was Franck and he's French and he knew everything about wine. But you, I can tell you don't know anything about wine. And she, she said that to me. And I was just what? like, well, ma'am, I'm sorry you feel that way. But my coworkers and my other loyal customers don't feel the same. So I would recommend this bottle of wine if you don't like it. I do apologize. We have a return policy. I suggest you take it up with them. And then I just left it. Um, because, you know, really all the time people see a young black man, and this is not just with wine, this is with anything. People will see a young black man and assume that he's out of his, he's out of his element. He's not, he's not where he needs to be. If he's not throwing a ball or staying in front of a mic, then he doesn't need to be doing it. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, people have to realize we, we all have interests the same, we're all human beings the same. So if I want to, yes. 
you know, learn about wine, my skin color isn't going to stop me from doing that. I'm still going to do it. And, you know, they talk to me like I am not educated. They talk to me like I don't carry myself with class or with elegance. They act like I just come in here just to say whatever. And I, I really don't. I try to find the best thing that will work for these people. But, you know, sometimes people don't want to see things for deeper than what they are. And yeah. it's unfortunate, but. Well, it's unfortunate and they miss out if they don't get a chance to learn from you. Because I tell you right here on the Telemsa show, we are elated that we um, have you here. I look forward to um, many, many, many people listening to this over and over and over again. One thing I love about a podcast is it's timeless and you can go back and listen to it again. And so um, I do want you to tell the people how they can get in contact with you via social media or anything else. But before I do that, I have something personal that I want to ask and I want to cook during Christmas. So cooking wine that they sell in stores in the season departments are disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to make braised short ribs. And I know that I need to um, probably marinate them in a um a deep wine red wine or something like that would that be a cabernet so uh, first my first question is going to be is is it pork ribs or beef ribs beef beef ribs so cabernet would be a really good choice uh that would be the that would be the classic choice now what i would recommend for you if you're going to marinate this um use something that's acidic so i would use a more acidic red wine i'd honestly marinate it in a pinot noir and you could honestly, you could probably get away with marinating it in a Sauvignon Blanc. And I only say that because the high acidity is really going to weaken the uh, bonds in the muscle and the meat. And it's going to make it a lot more tender when you take it out the marination and cook it. So I, I actually would recommend using either a Pinot Noir, Sauvignon Blanc. And if you really like Cabernet or if you have a Cabernet you really like, you marinate in that and that'll work. Yes, because I am going to make me some braised short ribs. I grew my own herbs this summer and I I pulled my thyme out, my bay leaves and everything. And I got them all in a Ziploc bag. I put them up before the freeze came. And yes, and I am going to make um, braised short ribs over garlic mashed potatoes. And I'm going for Christmas. I'm going to have shrimp and grits and because we're having a really uh, quiet uh, Christmas uh, dinner this year. But I said I have I've got to master these braised short ribs. I think the best short ribs, I don't, I, they may have been pork that I tasted really was in Hawaii. <laughs> those okay. Are, wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. They were, and those were absolutely amazing. So I usually like braised short ribs over mashed potatoes or over grits. Okay. So, Okay. So I I want to master them, but I know that you need a um a, a really good wine with that. So and uh, you're gonna be cooking all of this. This is gonna be all you cooking. Yes, this is me cooking. Oh my gosh! I know that whoever's eating at your house is gonna have a good nap. Well, it's just good. Gonna that be- sounds good. <laughs> It's gonna yes, it's just gonna be my husband and daughter this year. We do our big 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 family, you know, every um every other year. So yes, I'm I'm excited about really learning how to master these um short ribs. So that was one of my short ribs is one of my grandfather's, my mom's dad's favorite meal. So um there's a lot. I I don't know, like you said, I guess when you start getting older, there's things you wanna you kind of wanna master. You think about you wanna put together. So I'm looking forward to really mastering these. I'll let you know how they turn out. 
Yes, man, please do. I, I'd love to know. <laughs> I'll let you know how they turn out. Well, thank you so much again for being on the Tell Them Sis podcast show. Can you tell the people on how they can get in contact with you? Yeah, of course. So the best way to get into contact with me is through my email at k-s-i-l-e-r-work at gmail.com. So I put in work. And if you want to see my social media and see my day-to-day activities, I suggest you follow my Instagram at k-a-n-t-s and then the word underscore. So that's cons underscore and that's on Instagram. Well, thank you so much. And it has been a pleasure, a pleasure to meet such an amazing young man doing great things. God bless you. God bless your ventures. God bless the more that you do. I hope that you continue to travel and see great things. And I appreciate you so much. It's been an honor to get to know you. So all right. Yes. God bless.